So I'd like to reread the parable that we started with last night from Luke 19. And again, it's a little bit of a different translation than what we're used to because sometimes different translations help us see it from a different perspective. Jesus said, There once was a man descended from a royal house who needed to make a long trip back to get authorization for his rule and then return. But first he called ten servants together and gave them each a sum of money and instructed them, Engage with this until I return. But the citizens there hated him. So they sent a commission with a signed petition to oppose his rule. We don't want this man to rule us. When he came back, bringing the authorization of his rule, he called those ten servants to whom he had given the money to find out how they had done. The first said, Master, I doubled your money. He said, Good servant, great work. Because you've been trustworthy in this small job, I'm making you governor of ten towns. The second said, Master, I've made 50% profit on your money. He said, I'm putting you in charge of five towns. The next servant said, Master, here's your money, safe and sound. I kept it hidden in the cellar. To tell you the truth, I was a little afraid I know you have high standards and hate sloppiness, and you don't suffer fools gladly. He said, you're right that I don't suffer fools gladly, and you've acted the fool. Why didn't you at least invest the money in a bank so I could have gotten a little interest on it? Then he said to those standing there, take the money from him and give it to the servant who doubled my stake. And they said, but master, he's already has double. He said, that's what I mean. Risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and you end up holding the bag. As for these enemies of mine who petitioned against my rule, clear them out of here. I do not want to see their faces here again. So this talk, this evening, I'm going to be focusing on he first called the ten servants and gave them a sum of money and instructed them, engage with this until I return. So we're all in this this middle stage between the first and the second coming. We all have been given the Holy Spirit at our baptism. We each have a mission that has been given to us, and many of us may or may not know what that mission is or what's been given to us. Right? Do you know what what the Lord has created you for, that one thing that you're supposed to do before Um, we have grace to do that 
that first kingly function that we spoke of this morning, there are actual graces and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That type of grace is meant for me. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are meant for me to be able to to rule over myself as a person. Those first four gifts, knowledge, understanding, wisdom, and counsel, are for their aids for my mind. The last three, courage or fortitude, piety, the graces that help us in our mission are what we call They're not the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're called, in the Greek, charismata. Charismata. Okay, in English, sometimes we call them charisms. They're gifts freely given, and I forget how that's said in Latin. Grazia, gratis, something. Charismata, though, are graces that are not meant for me. They're meant for others through me. They're given to me for others. And that's when we're talking about this parable, the Lord has given me gifts that are for me and there are gifts given to me for me to accomplish a mission. My mission, your mission, is all a submission to Jesus's mission. We're all, we all have a very particular part or place to play in the body of Christ. In this day, the Holy Spirit has given us and charisms are not things. In the West, in the Western church, We like to break things down, and again, this is kind of like a a manly thing to do. We like to break things apart so that we study it and then put it back together. In the Eastern Church, they don't think like that, okay? But this is how we think in the West, so that's why I'm going to categorize things so we can look at what is it so that I kind of know how to ask for growing maturity in what I have. Charisms are manifestations of the working of the Holy Spirit through me. And the more I can recognize how the Holy Spirit works through me, the more I can cooperate with what the Lord is doing through me, bringing people back to relationship with God. So our prophetic, that prophetic part of our baptismal character is important, and unfortunately, this is one of the underdeveloped areas in the church. So if you don't know what your charisms are, That's understandable. We're going to try and remedy that a little bit today. Okay? Graces that are available to you to help you accomplish your mission. Okay. What is the difference between a charism and a natural talent? 
Charisms are supernatural grace. Natural talents are human nature. Okay? Grace does not replace human nature. Grace builds upon human nature. But sometimes, because charisms are supernatural gifts, a person may not have the natural talent that is equal to the charism. Now, I'm talking about all this kind of stuff theologically. I'm going to give some very specific examples as we're going through. But just so a couple of things. Charisms are not things. They are activities or movements of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, in accomplishing the mission that is set before us. Jesus' public mission began at the baptism in the Jordan. The Holy Spirit came down upon him and he was driven into the wilderness to enter into temptation. Luke says the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. That sounds funny, right? The Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. To be tempted for what? An important word to understand is covenant. Covenant is an agreement between two persons. And it's an agreement, I give myself to you fully and you give yourself to me fully. We don't have many covenants anymore in the modern age. Most of what we have are contracts. And they sure had their contracts back then, too. Right? You'll start hearing the prophets sometimes saying, Israel, you've entered your covenant with your God, but you're treating it like a contract. Because you're not giving yourself to God. You're giving yourself, you're acting like a prostitute you've given yourself over to others in trade of things and you've forgotten the covenant of God when Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted the temptations are trials to see is this one able to enter into a covenant faithfully. And we know that when Jesus goes into the desert, those temptations are all about identity. If you are the Son of God, prove it. Do this. Do this. And Jesus overcomes and pushes through temptations. Temptations in themselves are not sinful. Temptations are a trial. Okay? As soon as Jesus comes out and proves that he is worthy to go forward in this covenant, the new and everlasting covenant, that's when we begin to see Jesus and the Holy Spirit publicly acting together to bring about 
the restoration of all humankind with the Father. And that happens. His mission is always followed or is always connected to charisms until he reaches the covenant, the time for covenant, which is the laying down of one's life, which is obedience to the Father's will. Charisms, if you want to see them, you start looking at what does the Holy Spirit in coordination or in cooperation working together with Jesus. Okay? The apostles were invited into this discipleship, but they did not give these or get these things except by individual um, delegation. The 12 came together and Jesus gave them the power and the authority to go cast out demons and to heal, and they went out and they did it, and then they came back. Those weren't permanent things. Those were specific missions. They did not begin to do public ministry, any of the apostles, until Pentecost. Then the continuation of Jesus' mission is through his body, the church, the individual members. There's not one member that has the fullness of charisms. We must be in communion in working with and accomplishing the mission of Jesus. Okay, so Father John Paul, you talked about charisms. You said natural talents. What's a natural talent? What's a charism? Let me read off the list of charisms. These are just the ones that are scriptural. There are also many others that are not scriptural. There's 24 of them. So get, if you're going to write them down, write fast. Okay, so charisms. The first one, I'll go in alphabetical order. Administration. Does that shock anyone? <laughs> right? When you think of charismatic gifts, administration. It's not a general one that people think of. Celibacy. Craftsmanship. Discernment of spirits, encouragement, evangelism, faith, giving, healing, helps, hospitality, intercessory prayer, words of knowledge, leadership, mercy, missionary, music, prophecy, pastoring, service, teaching, voluntary poverty, wisdom, Miracles, public tongues, interpretation of tongues. Okay, there's a lot of them, right? And I'm only, in this talk, going to give a little thumbnail sketch because working through these and discerning what you have, I can't do from up here with you. That's going to be, if the Lord is, is moving in this area, you need to do a little work in this area, okay? What does, how does a charism differ from a natural talent? Let me take a specific example of music. Okay. 
And I'll give you an example from um, a couple of years ago when I was in the seminary. We have this apostolate in uh, New York called the Catholic Underground. And it's the seminarians who run the Catholic Underground. And so the Catholic Underground is basically first Saturdays in the evening. So it's tonight in New York. It's actually probably right now because we're there three hours ahead of us. Um, Catholic Underground begins in a very large church, and it begins with adoration of Jesus and a time of evening prayer and music, and it's upstairs in the church. And then downstairs, after that holy hour, there is a cultural event, whether it's a Catholic artist doing music or sometimes there's a, a a new film that's coming out, and there's a preview, a Catholic film. So it's a cultural event, and it's, it's aimed at young professionals in New York. But, I mean, you get a lot of people there. So Wednesdays, before the Catholic underground, one of the brothers at this point, Brother Gabriel, uh, when, when I was there, he would be practicing, he's a musician, and he leads the upstairs time of music. So on Wednesday, he is practicing. He's practicing down in the basement of the friary. He's choosing the songs, he's playing, and he's coordinating the others that are also playing. He's very talented. He can play the guitar, he can play the organ, he can play the piano, he can play the harmonica, he can play the accordion, he can play the violin, like almost anything. He's naturally talented. And he can do almost anything on musical instruments. And that's natural talent. He's guiding everyone else and coordinating them together, and they're playing music. Okay. On the Saturday, he's there in the church, and he's coordinating the music, and he's playing the music, and he's leading everyone in prayer, and that is natural talent. Now, there may be, out of whatever, the 600 people that are there, three people that come up to him afterwards and they say, Brother Gabriel, when you were leading us in music and you were saying this refrain, after you said it about four times, I felt that the Lord was starting to break into my heart and saying that to me specifically. That's where you start to see or you recognize a charism or a manifestation of the Holy Spirit of music is working. So what does Brother Gabriel say? Oh, no, 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 you know, it's all him. Okay, well and good, but... Keep it. Just say thank you. Okay, enough with the false modesty, right? <laughs> thank you. You can say this because you're helping me to discern my charisms. I mean, don't say that, but... <laughs> think it. Okay, the next person comes up and says, Brother Gabriel, you are playing music... And all of a sudden, you just stopped, and we went into silence. And I experienced almost the, the going up to the edge of a cliff, and, and the silence was just like an abyss that was before me. 
And, and I, I, I just called out. And, and so what does Brother Gabriel say? Thank you. Okay? And, and the third person. Charisms are not things that we do. It's other people who draw them out of us. We don't know when the Lord is going to work through us unless other people come and tell us. And so Father Gabriel, over a period of time, there's a pattern of when he is offering his natural talents, there is a, a strong enough pattern that people tell him that he's aware the Lord oftentimes uses my natural talent of music to speak or to act in the lives of other people. And I must be a good steward of this sum of money or this talent that the Lord has given to me. And I'm going to engage with it. Right? Another example we've got today, St. Ambrose. Teacher, pastor, songwriter. Hymn writer. Teaching. Teaching is another charism. How many have you, of you have ever been taught by anybody? Like we've all gone to school, right? Have you ever had a teacher that just taught you and you just get it? And they could have had all the material there, but all of a sudden sometimes they say things and it's just like, oh, the, the Lord is speaking to me through this. Maria Montessori, I don't know if you've ever heard of her, um, an Italian teacher, she had natural talents, she had a natural desire to study the cycle of chi children's growth and to match that with all of the educational uh, data up to that point. And how do you teach a child at the appropriate age of where its development is. And if you've ever heard of Montessori schools, this is all because of Maria Montessori. She had a charism not only to teach children, but then many other teachers came to her and watched her model, and they also went out. She had a charism of teaching. She also had a natural talent of teaching. She had to look, she had to prepare for, for the background studies and everything, but the Lord used her to bring about many to faith, especially children. They, they have this thing called the Good, Good Shepherd Catechesis for little kids, and, and they just get it. But it's different than informing them. It is forming them, not informing them. Right? That's a gift of teaching, a gift of service. I, I learned my lesson just recently. In September, 
Um, we had all of the local servants of the friars come to Newark, which is where our novitiate is. And we have local servants. Local servant is what we call the superior of a house. So we had local servant training. And each night, um, we had different ones of our associates. So the, the brothers were coming from all over, from different countries, and we all got there. And the associates, those lay people who help us there in Newark, several of them volunteered to come and cook each night. So the first night, um, one of the associates, I went up to thank her, and I said, Cindy, thank you for cooking tonight. It's incredible. She made barbecued ribs and, and like everything that guys like. <laughs> and, and it was there. And I go, thank you for, 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 for cooking and serving us this way. And she goes, oh, no, no, no. Thank you for letting me serve you. And at that point, I was like, uh. <laughs> I don't like pious talk too much. I, I have a lesson here that I learned, okay? <laughs> the next night, Teresa Martinez, she does a lot of Hispanic pro-life uh, post-abortion retreat work. And um, she came and she cooked for us and she made an incredible meal. And I went up and I said, Teresa, like this is an incredible meal. Like they were incredible meals and a lot because there were a lot of us there. And she goes, oh, no, no. Thank you for letting me serve you and cook for you. And my repulsion, like <laughs> it's starting to come up again, right? The third and the fourth night, the same thing happened. No, thank you for letting me serve you. This is a delight for me to do. And I was like, okay, Lord, you're saying something in this. <laughs> like, I need, like I, need to, I need to stop projecting on people my own attitudes. Right? And they have a charism of service. And they're using it and they love it when they're able to do that. And I was trying to thank them, but then I was getting this, this reaction back. And I was like, like, I have to go to confession for that, right? Because I'm... I'm not cooperating with the grace of God, but I'm frustrating it. And when I recognize that, I've got to repent of that. Because I, especially as a, as a priest, am supposed to help people work with the charism that God has given them to bring about what all charisms do is upbuilding of the church, upbuilding of the body of Christ. And everyone has their part. And we all have our part. And charisms, we can do a lot of good things, but it's always important to listen. What is it that people thank me for? Because sometimes it may not be something that I like to do or that I'm particularly good at. 
someone who has a charism of music and no natural talent has happened. There's a young guy. He's probably 27, 28. He's um, Down syndrome, and he plays the bagpipes. And it's terrible. <laughs> it's like his timing is way, way too slow. But there's something about him when he's playing the bagpipes, there's something beyond him that's happening there that upbuilds the church. And he has no nat, well, he has some natural talents. He knows where to put his fingers, but his timing's way off. The Lord is not limited by my weaknesses but he is limited at working with the Lord's mission through me by my decision. Yes, I will serve. No, I will not serve. The more free we are in our kingly function, the ability to be able as a person to be able to cooperate with those gifts that the Lord has given to me and to use them fruitfully and to be listening to what the Holy Spirit is doing through me because others are telling me and I'm willing to put myself out there is what I'm going to have to come before the Lord when he comes again. What have you done with what I've given you? Well, to tell you the truth, I was a little afraid. I know you don't suffer fools. So let's not act like the fool and bury or be afraid to step out and do what the Lord's asking. Because if fear is the main motivator, and emotion is the main motor in, motivator in my life, there's going to be a direct correlation to fruitfulness in my life. Fear is not a good motivator for mission. Love and charity is. If fear is a motivator in your life, Mortify it. What does that mean? Kill it. And how does it, how does it feel when you're killing um, motivators, right? Lent, Friday in Lent, and someone, one of the brothers bakes chocolate chip cookies, and they smell incredible. Well, <clears throat> it just so happens that it's one of the brothers' birthdays, you know, so we're going to celebrate it this, this Lent or this Friday in Lent. And so it, it, we're going to have cookies for dinner. So me, motivated by fear, I know that it's okay. We're going to have chocolate chip cookies. So I'm going to go and get one of those chocolate chip cookies. And I'm just about ready to put it in my mouth when the back door opens. And I care a lot about what people think about me, right? So... 
my fear pretends that I'm not going to eat that cookie. <laughs> and it's okay to eat the cookie. But I'm motivated by fear, so, but I'm trying to work on mortifying my fear. So you know what I'm going to do? As the brother comes in, I'm going to put the cookie up to my lips, and I'm going to take a bite of it and stare right at him. And I am so afraid of what he's thinking about me right now. And he has no clue, because on the surface, I'm smiling, eating a chocolate chip cookie. But below the surface, it's die, die, die. I will not be motivated by fear anymore. It's a struggle. But I need to be, as a person, living in truth with freedom. And if my motivations are fear, then when the Lord asks me to step out, I may tell him no, or I may just tell him yes and not do it. Charisms are a gift for us. They're a gift to us to use during these two comings. They're gifts for us, and we're stewards of them. The more you respond to what the Lord is inviting you, the more you will receive. If you start looking at the saints... They're very different people from each other. We're all very different from each other. The thing is, they've each overcome themselves and accomplished, hopefully accomplished, what the mission was that the Lord gave to them. So my brothers and sisters, I'll speak a little bit more about charisms this evening, very shortly. Um, with a gospel passage. And then we will have an opportunity to allow the Lord, no, we will, he gives us the opportunity to draw something out of him. And then you know what he's going to say? Thank you for letting me serve you. That was his mission. And when we allow him to serve us, he's joyful. That's what he came to do, the Father's will in serving us. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be, world without end. Amen.